You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here. Welcome to Drinks with Tony and my guest, Lynn Hightower. Check out her new book, The Enlightenment Project. Do you have a novel draft that you need editing help with? A screenplay that needs punch-ups? Do you have an idea for a story and you're not sure where to go with it next? Worry not. Go to TonyDuchesne.com and sign up for my four-week one-on-one course for $600. That's TonyDuchesne.com. I've worked with clients on final revisions before submitting to publishers, before working, before pushing to studios. I've worked with new writers who have an idea and just want to learn how to get it on paper. TonyDuchesne.com. Let's make some storytelling magic. Hi, I'm Lynn Hightower, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Lynn Hightower. Her latest book is called The Enlightenment Project. Lynn, how are you? I am excellent. How are you, Tony? Um, I am I am above average. <laughs> You're almost excellent. If you just tried a little harder, you just could be excellent. You have no idea. I was below average like 10 minutes ago. And then as I've been talking to you, then all of a sudden I got to above average. So at the oh, end of at the end of our that. conversations. You, you have an energy. You have an energy that is just bringing me up. Uh, thank you. <laughs> the, um, I got a huge kick out. I mean, the minute I heard about demon possession and uh, and such things, especially and, and you know what the near life, the near death experience stuff, so fascinating. And you know, I it, it, I don't doubt any of it. I don't know how I don't know how you came into this, but I I, I like. You know, I'm, I've had my weird upbringing, but I don't have a lot of doubt as to, you know what, this is, could be out there. This could be happening this way. Well, you know, um, what is shocking about all of it is, you know, some things, you know, intuitively, um, but what shocked me about the near death experience, the demonic possession stuff was how much of it is proven scientifically now or yeah, I hate to say proven scientifically, that's like, you know, but you, you take, um, my gosh, the near-death experience, if it's, it, now the, um, the physicists are realizing, well, energy never dies, so actually there is no death, and they don't know what to do with that, okay? It's not possible. Okay? Wait, hold on, because- wait, hold on, hold on. There's no death? No. You've just shifted my whole reality. <laughs> well, and I, I don't want to do it in an uncomfortable way because I respect everybody's reality. But the fact of the matter is energy is not destroyed. Hmm. So how can there be death? There can. Interesting. So then if energy is not destroyed, then what then the next question is, where does energy go? Oh, that's the question, isn't it? Yeah, it is because the body dies. And that's the thing about the near death experience, because so often they were saying, well, there is no consciousness without the brain, right? Mm-hmm. But that's, um, that's just uh, not true. They've, they've had a lot of psychiatrists, you know, study it all over the place, trying to prove and disprove it. And, you know, they're like great little notes up on the ceilings of ORs in case somebody has a near-death experience. And did they read that note or did they see that in the other room? And the fact of the matter is it's been tested up one side and down the other. 
And there is no way when people come back from a near-death experience that they could know what they know. And what I think shores it up even more is how it completely changes their life. They don't have a near-death experience and go bopping along with what they usually did. It really shakes them up. Um, they change who they are. They change what they do. A lot of times it causes problems in a marriage or in a family or at their work because they're like, you know what? I have a different view of the world now and I'm not doing this job anymore. And a lot of times their spouse will say, you know, I liked you better when you were shallow. You know, I don't like this new <laughs> person you are. And I, I mean, I don't mean to say that unkindly. If someone you love and are, are married to changes completely, you have to be open to that or not. I mean, you both follow your path, but it does. And even if you stay married, it causes huge disruption, huge disruption. Well, I think, I think any change, any shift in a person that's uh, in a marriage, and, and I experienced this too, because I was leaving the Jehovah's Witnesses. And so that shifted my marriage and, all, and that turned into a divorce, you know, way too many years later. But, um, <clears throat> but if someone's changing, then that challenges the other person's views. Exactly. exactly. It's a challenge. It's, it's like, and it's like these, um, you know, if you, and this, and this cracks me up because some, you know, <clears throat> I drink sometimes and sometimes I don't, and I don't want to drink and I'll go out and have, and hang out with people who are all drinking and I'm not in the mood for a drink. And there's always one person that's like, come on, man, just one, come on, man. And I'm just they like, can't stand it, can they? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're challenged. You're challenged. You're challenged that I'm just that I don't want to drink right now. <laughs> any major, any major change and shakeup in your life that actually to me is one of the most interesting parts of the Enlightenment project because you've got Noah Archer, who's the neurologist who was possessed when he was eleven, and he has kept that an absolute secret. And this is about secrets in marriage. A lot of the story is about you know a marriage where everything breaks up and then they come back together again and. Well, how do you tell your significant other? Oh, by the way, I was possessed by demons at the age of 11, but I'm okay now. I mean, I don't blame him for not You put it in your online dating profile. You front load with it. It's like uh, childhood memories. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What's your username? Possessed by demon at six. (laughs) Yes, yes. And, you know, she, um, her biggest problem is why didn't you tell me? It's something that's so major to who you are. It's so integral to your soul and who you are. And you didn't tell me that means that you don't trust me on that basic level. And we don't have the marriage. I thought we did. So for her, it's more of a trust issue. So this is something that they absolutely have to work, have to work their way through. But, you know, and everybody told me, yeah, it's awful, you know, for him not to have told her, but there's a part of me that's like, Hell, I wouldn't tell anybody. I would not tell anybody. I would keep that completely secret. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I mean, I used to be keeping it a secret that I grew up a Jehovah's Witness. And then because uh, I had so much shame. And then and then when I let go of the shame, then boy, did I tell everybody, but in a weird way. <laughs> but <clears throat> that makes so much sense. And that's one reason he doesn't tell is because he has a lot of shame. Why me? You know, why, why did that happen to me? Why was I singled out? Why was, why did I succumb to that? And also, um, so when you told everybody, and part of it's childhood trauma too, you know, 
the childhood you had probably, I, I mean, I can't say, but it sounds traumatic to me. Um, and what happened to him was traumatic to him. So I did a lot of research on childhood trauma and, and I, I actually uh, consulted a fabulous, you know, um, child psychiatrist who used to work in uh, work on major traumas like, uh, you know, 9-11, hurricane, um, you know, all big hurricane, any big major thing. And she worked at a trauma center with the children. And uh, so she gave me a lot of insight, you know, on how it triggers. What I never really realized that makes so much sense is even when your mind doesn't have the memory, okay, your body remembers, your whole physical body remembers. And a lot of things will trigger an emotion. And you don't know, why am I freaking out? Why am I screaming into the pillow? Why am I so upset? I don't know what it is that's making me crazy but it is that trauma. Hmm. Yeah. So I had a friend that uh, was in, got out of the second tower in 9-11. Hmm. And so she was involved in all of that. And every, around the end of August, the weather, a million things trigger. And then she just has all kinds of anxiety attacks just for that, like a 30 day period. She'll call and say, hey, about the side of the road, can't drive anymore. Can you come pick me up? Yeah, yeah. Just kind of roll with it. Yeah, the 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 trauma of the people who survived nine eleven and and um, and got out, and then you know, there's there's that opens up so many questions. Like, why me? Why did I survive? Wait, I did survive. Um, And it's you know, I mean, I remember I remember the stories where the first plane hit and then people in the second building, the, their bosses were like, no, you can't leave work. And I, and I remember having those types of bosses where I, I'd just be like, ah, I'm seeing you later. She was told, but one of their friends hadn't come and, and they were worried about her. So she and, and two or three other friends went down outside to see if her friend was okay. And then they took off, you know, they took off. And interestingly enough, the friend that she waited for, saved her because she went under with all the crowd and she was going to be trampled and that friend reached out and grabbed her shoulder and pulled her back up wow i don't know that just the way that that worked out always fascinates me i think there are some things that happen in the world that you know are meant to be right right And, and um work out on a very magical and spiritual level yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's sometimes timing is so odd. Like timing just pisses me off. Cause I'm like, I want this now in my life. And then, and oh, then you realize, you too, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then you realize like when you finally get it, you go, I wasn't ready for it back then. You know? Right. Uh, oh, we all it's get like it. words to live by. Sometimes in life, you don't get what you want. Sometimes you get something better. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're not ready for the better yet. And it's maybe there's self-work you need to do to, um, you know, well, when I say you, I mean me, you know, it's. it's, Oh, all of us. I think all of us. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, and, 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 you know, cause so I, I, I did have kind of a near death experience. I think it was. Yeah. 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 I almost died twice in my twenties. And one time um, was uh, I would had lost blood internally and I had no idea. And I just collapsed on this on market street in San Francisco. 
And, um, and then the next thing I knew there was just people screaming at me, which was ambulance and cops <clears throat> screaming, um, you know, what's your name or whatever. And I, and it was just like, I was just on a boat. I was on a boat in a lake and everything was fine. And now, <clears throat> and now Ooh. I come here and it's, and, and everything's just awful. And then every time I, every, and every time I was out of consciousness, I was on this, I was on this calm boat on a lake. And every time they brought me back, the boat tipped over and then I was back in the chaos. <clears throat> and oh, that is so interesting. And the part of me still, I'm like, was my brain just compensating for how much trauma was happening in my body and going, all right, uh, like, no, no. Tell me, Three. tell me your thoughts. I would love to. Here's I, my thoughts. Okay. Yeah. It's so logical. So you still had brain function. So someone could say that's what was really going on. And you know, the person who knows what was really going on is you. Whatever your intuition tells you, I would follow. But in a lot of near-death experiences, the brain goes dead. There is no brain function. And if there is no brain function, then it seems odd to me that you can say, well, it was the brain because the brain isn't working. Interesting. So yeah, I, I believe I still had brain function. So maybe, so, so maybe I was getting close or, yeah. Well, maybe we're just, yeah. I just think, I think whatever your instincts tell you, I would follow that because, you know, intuition is really your brain doing a million complex calculations that you're not even aware of that gives you your gut instinct and your hunches. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I trust it. You know, it's interesting, you know, and then I, and I just thought of this now it's like in life, what do I want? Do I want to be, do I want to be in a, you know, a lovely boat on a serene lake or do I want to be in the chaos of what humanity is and, and like writing and bopping around and I'm kind of into the chaos. Are you? Cause I'd be under the boat in the lake. Would you? In a heartbeat. So long huh. as I could take my dog with me. Yeah. See then. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? I have a German Shepherd. Yeah. Um, How long yeah. have you had him? She's four years old. Four years old. Oh, cute. Did you get her as a puppy? I did. Oh. Um, it was. It was. I had just lost my giant German Shepherd Leo, uh-huh. and he and I was devastated, and I wasn't ready for another puppy. Uh-huh. So, but I looked at online sites that had dogs just to look at them and I felt nothing and I'm like just not ready and then I saw her picture and I was like that's my dog I recognize her and I'm not even ready for a dog but I I knew her face I knew wow. her yeah. so I just I got her and yeah and when I went to pick her up they said listen she's really shy of people she doesn't she came running out and laid down on my foot and looked up at me like where have you been you needed to get here sooner. And I just picked her up and we, we headed out. Yeah. Wow. So she, she knew me too. <clears throat> it's funny how dogs can choose you. Oh, she chose me. Yeah. yeah. She was like, that's how I feel anyway. Uh, the other she day. She's a lot of dog, but I love it. Yeah. yeah. No, the other day I was walking up, I was hiking up in Griffith park and I see everyone with dogs. And I'm like, and, you know, I've been going back and forth. I'm like, yeah, maybe I should get a dog, but that's so much responsibility, you know, but at the same time, 
And then I see all these people that this is what drives me about about dog owners in Los Angeles. You see a lot of crap dog owners. And I re- and I don't want to be around. I don't want to be associated with these people who are going, I said, sit, I said, sit, I, you know, they're screaming at their dogs on the street or whatever. And I'm going, you know, you, you're supposed to communicate with your dog the way the dog it, it, I'm glad you're taking out all your anger issues on a dog. What a beautiful Please stay very well, far you away from me. Find a dog that was meant to come to you and be treated well, because I train my dog quite a bit mm-hmm. and it's all positive training. And a lot of it is very intuitive and a lot of it gives the dog agency. All right. And makes if them feel dog, safe. You're, you're well, the leader. You're the leader of the tribe. And they like, you know, if, if Leah and I are going to go out and train, which she loves. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, one of the things is to go fetch your bear. I said, go get Barkley. And she brings me a different animal. I'm not going to say, oh, I said Barkley. I'm like, right. okay, we're cake. Bye bye the sheep, you know? Yeah. And if, you know, she will also offer certain behaviors. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll right. make that like she started, you know, getting all my socks up and bringing them to me. And I'm like, well, instead of saying, leave them alone, I'm like, oh, thank you. Get a treat brought me a sock. Oh, thank you. Here's your treat. Brought me a sock. And now she's like, I love the sock game. And also it gets picked up, you know, so win win. So reinforcement and letting your dog have some agency and living with them in harmony. um, That's actually cutting edge dog training these days. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, and, and, and it's just like, and then you could tell what kind of people, you know, it's like, there's a lot of dog owners where you're like, Oh, wow. You're a crap human. Cause you just see how they're treating their dog. And then you see other people where their dogs are just like bop, 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 and enjoying their day. And I'm like, you're a good human. It's we, it's so telling. Yeah, you catch them through their dogs and listen, whether or not you get a dog, it's not a logical decision. It's an emotional decision. Yeah. You know, decision of the heart. It's never practical. Right. But, but you know, I wouldn't be without her. Yeah. And when dogs, dogs also teach us so much to stay in the moment. I think they're a constant reminder of what are you doing? This is, we're having, this is a fun life. Why are you freaking out right now? I want to go get a stick. <laughs> uh, well, you know, she, um, well, she's a German shepherd. So they, they take their job very seriously. And mm-hmm. she, uh, she has it in her head what my schedule is and what it should be. <laughs> so if i if i work a certain amount of time then she comes in and like it's like it's time to go to the ball yeah and um she's not gonna she's gonna pester me until i do but she's right it's time to get up and throw the ball and you know if i drink coffee in the morning we're doing outside on the porch swing so she can run around in circles you know mm-hmm. if i have a glass of wine at night we're supposed to do it outside on the porch swing so she can run around in circles and i'm supposed oh. to pull the ball like she keeps you in the moment she keeps me in the world you know so yeah yeah she so you know i say give her agency but evidently she's in charge of everything and you know sometimes maybe us humans shouldn't be too much in charge of a lot of things <laughs> well i put <laughs> i mean just imagine putting dogs in charge of the world we'd all have treats all day long they'd have treats yeah they, they'd fight <laughs> but and but that, that's a good idea because like even in dog parts or whatever, you see dogs have conflict and then they resolve the conflict and they walk away. And right. it's just that that's, I don't think anyone knows. People don't know how to resolve conflict anymore. <laughs> you don't know how to get into conflict and resolve it. I'll also tell you this. If you like me, you're a thriller writer and you're writing about scary things late at night, 
and you're freaked out than to have a giant German shepherd taking up three quarters of the couch where you're working is a really cool thing. But if you're deep in the work and you're writing about demonic possession and the dog sits up, looks over your shoulder and starts doing a very low menacing growl, which happened several times, then you're thinking, um, what does she see that I don't see? And yeah. I'm so lucky here. I know. Yeah. All writers should have dogs in my opinion. Keep you safe, especially well, if you're thriller. Well, well, we should put a, uh, we should put together, and this is the business plan now, but it's just, it, it's pairing writers with dogs and dogs with writers. And essentially we'll, 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 and we'll elevate the whole writing community. So, so craft will be so much better in about three years too. across the board. So. I think that is a great solution. I think there should be publishers just for novelists with dogs. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> Do you have a dog? Then send us your manuscript and a picture. Of your right. Dog. Yeah. And, and then that, and then also, can you send us some video on your dogs? We want to know how your dog treats you and how you treat your dog. So we know if we want to work with you or not. Well, that would tell you, wouldn't it? That'd be awesome. Yeah, they'd look at mine. They're like, Oh, she's a pushover. She'll go for anything. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, so so back so back to uh, the Enlightenment Project and and mm -hmm. your book. What you, when you came into it, did you believe in demons and possession? And then when you came out of it, did you have a different angle? Was it the opposite? What was what That's was a really fabulous question? So you know, remember you remember when The Exorcist came out, and I found the movie utterly terrifying. I still haven't seen it, so <laughs> well borrow somebody's dog and watch it okay right i grew up a jehovah's witness so i couldn't see it and then and then there was a lot of movies i still couldn't watch like i couldn't even touch a tarot card deck for like years after i left the jehovah's witnesses until i realized oh it's just storytelling and and i started to like feel okay oh, about yeah. it well so, you know you have to wait till you get to that place and you and it it works with your worldview no i agree with that yeah. but, but the thing that fascinated me most about the Exorcist was, okay, when I found out it was based on a true story and um, the uh, pseudonym for the child who was male actually was Roland Doe. And um, so I'm researching what happened to him. And, you know, how do you, that's how I came up with my character. No, what do you do when that happened as a child? And it's so interesting because the last exorcism was done um, at a hospital in Long Island by two Jesuit priests. And when it was done, they sealed up the room and no one ever went in it again. The two priests died, the hospital was destroyed, but he, he was okay. It sounds like he was okay. He's never ever spoken about it publicly, but he got married, he had children, he had a career. So he had a life. And then I thought, oh my gosh, yes. So where do you go with that life? And that's mm -hmm. how I came up with Noah. So I started doing research. And to me, it was just, well, it's just a heck of a great, scary story. All I want to do is give you a really good read. And I was so shocked by my research. I mean, did you know that um, M. Scott Peck, who wrote People of the Lie, who's a well-known and thought-of psychiatrist, spent the last few years of his practice as a psychiatrist doing exorcisms. Wow. That blew me. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. And I read his book, Glimpse of the Devil. 
-hmm. And it talked about um, how someone came to him with a patient who thought they were possessed and wanted him to do an exorcism. And he was like, no, this is dissociation. This is, you know, schizophrenia. This is something else. And so he started working with them and he, and he said he went from absolutely being a 100% non-believer to being a 100% believer. Hmm. And um, that really shocked me. And then, so you look and possession is a psychiatric condition in the DSM. Mm -hmm. And um, then there are, there are reports of all these psychiatrists who, all right, well, the treatment isn't working. It's not really schizophrenia. It's not really disassociation. None of the treatments are working. So maybe we can work with the priest and see if that works and see if that will give my, um, my patient some relief and some help. So I keep doing my research and I find out there are like a half million exorcisms done in Italy alone every year. Hmm. That blew me away. In fact, in Milan, they set up an exorcism hotline, which I'm like, what a great idea, right? And they got so many calls, it you know went down. It just kept going down because people were just flooding the line. So, so I just it was where um, cutting the cutting edge science meets demonic possession, and that absolutely fascinated me. Now. Uh, so you asked me, do I believe in it? Well, let me put it to you this way. If someone came to me and said they were possessed and they needed help and they were genuine, I believe them, you know, and I would want them to get help. I don't, um, you know, I'm open to it um, and I'm fascinated by it. Absolutely yeah. fascinated. Yeah. It's interesting because with um the the guy who the exorcist was based on which by the way i'm just i'm so upset about the gender dynamics because they put a woman in his role when it was supposed to be a man oh my god they were so wrong in the 1970s anyway get out there and do an op-ed won't you <laughs> no uh the um it's interesting that it was jesuit priest that that yeah and it, it and it's just like Part of, you know, I don't, I don't discount that because that could make sense because we do need our spiritual mentors or, or such in this life. So, mm -hmm. you know, somewhere else in the world where it is not, there's no Jesuit priests available, but they may have some other type of guru who can come in who has a higher of state of consciousness and can, and, and I don't know if it's a symbol for the person that's possibly under possession because i don't feel like let's just say possession's absolutely 100 percent true i don't feel like hum humans have access to that realm like you know i understand it, what you're saying i understand yeah. what you're saying here's what one exorcist said that i really liked hearing and i do believe he said no matter what you have autonomy over your soul okay so i do believe that Okay, mm -hmm. so that makes me feel a little safer, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I also think whatever works, you know, it's, what's so interesting is um, it's become so mainstream. Exorcisms are so mainstream now. You've got exorcists on YouTube. They're on Twitter. <laughs> just, 
that surprised me. I'm doing all my research. I'm like, wait, what? This is on YouTube? Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, okay. And, um, oh, the demons are sending texts to the exorcist, like, she's ours. I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, that's terrifying. Um, yeah. and, but, but see, and then that's where my mind goes, why would those people or those people, those entity <laughs> and those realms really give a crap about what a human is? Um, oh, their, uh, their motives are absolutely yeah. um, to cause chaos and agony and suicide and pain are the most. Oh, well, they're doing a great job with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you totally need a dog. Um, <laughs> you know, what's really interesting is it's so mainstream now that um, we've got sociologists studying it, right? Mm -hmm. And they they don't they don't they don't go into the category of why I believe it or I don't believe it. They go into the category of why who does it happen to? Mm -hmm. Okay, and there were two Italian sociologists who had access to um, like ten years of exorcism notes from an exorcist that they knew, mm -hmm. and so they went over that and they came up with a couple of conclusions, a, a big conclusion which is, do you know who the average um, victim of possession is? All right, male, between the ages of 40 and 50. Hi, I know, don't, wait, calm down. Highly <laughs> successful, I'm sorry, you're hitting all the boxes. Highly <laughs> successful, you know, really good, you know, at their job and they have this hugely successful life and um, they're the one, they're, they're, that's your average, victim now mind you people who feel uh, oppression or any kind of possession or they think they're possessed when they call for help it's usually not very many it's like five percent okay in fact 80 percent and, and it's, it's considered a ministry of healing mm -hmm. so whatever your problem is okay <clears throat> their job is to say well is there something supernatural going on Maybe you just need, can we refer you to a counselor? Maybe you've got a physical issue or a schizophrenia issue. You know, you have to jump through a lot of hoops before they would even consider you for this. Um, but did you know that 80% involve like infestations, which would be a haunted house? Hmm. That fascinates me where people feel like, oh, it's something after it's a house. There was... It's a really interesting case where a woman had a couple of children in Indiana and she felt her children were possessed after they moved into this very creepy house where they had a lot of very scary happenings. And she didn't know what to do. So she took her kids to the ER and she said, I don't know what to do. There's nobody that can help me. I'm here at the ER. My children are possessed. So they Obviously, they called Child Protective Services thinking, oh, uh, yeah, 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 kids are in trouble with this mother. And, um, you know, the CPS has like eight, like an 800 page case file on this. And their social worker said, listen, I'm telling you, something really creepy and scary was going on with this. Now, they took the kids away from her for about six months. And then they did call in a priest and he did do exorcisms and they moved out of that house. 
and they came home and they're okay. And they're doing all right in another totally different city and absolutely anywhere near that house. Um, but that case fascinates me. You know, she went to the ER and said, please help me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please help me. Oh, we'll help you. We'll take away your kids. Take your children. You know? <laughs> well, their suspicion was that the children were acting out, you know, because the mother instructed them to. But that was absolutely not the case. The, the, and then, you know, as we've been talking, I had this other thought and these thoughts mm-hmm. just come in. They come in and and a lot of times they're not that smart. But what if mm-hmm. the possessions, what if they're not coming in as as um, as a as a way of evil or as a way to of chaos, but they're coming in as a warning to tell us humans that we're doing it wrong, because in the real realm, it's not like this. What if, what if what if they're actually providing information that's almost too much for us to comprehend, and we actually need to be heeding what what these um, what we're calling demons? We need to kind of be open to what they're saying because that's because okay. I think that's okay. I think that's really interesting. But here's how you tell, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, if they say to you, look at what terrible things can happen, and they urge you to do something like, so, you know, take a knife and slit your mother's throat, then you know that they're not telling you what you need to hear. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and that's so amateur hour, too. I mean, if come on, a real demon's going to only do one human away if they want to get if they want to get rid of humanity. They would just go push the right, nuclear so- war button. So, I mean, so, so that's the point is if it's something that's supposed to be good for you, it won't be urging you to do something bad. It won't be making you depressed. It won't be making you feel oppressed. It will be urging you toward the light in a way. I I want a demon who's interested in my fitness and my health. (laughs) (laughs) get one of those apps they'll nag you <laughs> yeah 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 maybe the apps are demonic maybe that's how we're oh, letting no. them all you know in what? get a dog a dog will insist that you go for walks and throw balls and run around the backyard or wherever you are you yeah. don't need a bat to have a dog they're happy with you wherever you are i don't know why i'm trying to talk you into this yeah. no no it's it's very enlightening because um yeah, you may be you may be the you, you, you putting it out in the universe and then i might see that dog and then they'll be like, oh, well, you know what? You'll know them when you see them. Yeah, that's what people tell me. You'll know when you see them, they might come to you. Yeah. My, my daughter was walking past a Humane Society event about three months ago. And a little dog ran out, no collar, no nothing, leaped into her arms. It was like, oh, thank God. And she's like, oh, I think I have a dog now. And she goes, yeah. named him Winston, and he's a little love. Yeah. Who knows where he came from? What kind of life he'd had? You know, she checked, but no. And huh. so, um, yeah, if you're walking down the street and a dog jumps into your arms, there you go. If it's someone else's dog, I'll just run because I'll know it's no, my no, dog. No, 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 give it back, give it back. <laughs> you know. This is meant to be mine. Just book it down the street. <laughs> no, she did check. She did check. <laughs> oh, this, this so demon possession get a dog if you're looking for a good demon who wants to help you out stop looking for good demons and get a dog there you go that would I, be my I, 
<laughs> that would absolutely be my advice. Yeah. And you know, it's um, these days, medical treatments, psychiatric treatments, they are integrative, right? Yeah. So people are looking um, for something that treats their spirit, their physical, their mental health. And maybe it's not one category or another. Maybe it's all coming together um, and uh, into something that's stronger and healthier, you know, where we need something physical and spiritual. It's, 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 it's interesting. It's healthcare as well. And you, and <clears throat> smash cut as writers. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like th- there's times when my characters are writing the stories for me, uh-huh. you, you know, and, and I think we are, we're, we have a, we find our way to tap into something that people usually don't know how to tap into. Right. Um, which still kind of blows my mind and I don't question it. And I'm like, wow, these, you know, the, this character needs to do what, what he's doing. And, um, and I, I'm just trying to keep up. You know, how it is for me it's like the story is an actual entity and this story exists and i'm supposed to tell the story and it surrounds me in in something like a fog and so i pull this thread and i pull that thread and and i'm and and it all you know another thread another thread and it all comes together and obviously i'm going to put my logical mind on it. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to look at the structure and I'm going to put it through the craft paces. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you know, there's two sides of the storytelling. There's the craft and then there's the very mysterious magical magic of being a novelist where you suddenly get the information you need. An article pops up that oh, that's exactly what it, I, I was writing about. And it takes you to an interesting place. Uh, you run into somebody and they're like, listen, I, I just got to tell you, I just met this priest. And they, I mean, I've had this problem with this haunted house. And you're like, tell me all about it. You know, it, it is, it's a very mysterious and very cool thing, don't you think? It's one of the, it's one of the most magical parts of being a novelist. It's, it's, what, it's what excites me to know when, because I mean, it's um i just it's just it's like oh my god i tapped into something it doesn't and it doesn't come often when the tap in happens it's just like whoa keep up and then it's a gift isn't it when yeah. it just comes oh my gosh and it's easy yeah but it's but it's but you know things aren't it's not it, that makes it sound easier than it is usually that's after about a year of work on a character or a year of work on something and then all of a sudden the characters manifest and then it's like there they are yeah no that's true but um so i think you just do your work and then when you have that tap in you're like oh thank you that's so helpful i want to work a little more a little harder today and it's going to be easier to do it so yeah i agree i agree yeah so i think your page is done either way though i'm sorry i said i still have to get my pages done either way yeah. Yeah. I, if, if I'm, if I don't do my, uh, if I don't, if I'm not working daily, I'm not, I'm not a good person to be around. <laughs> you know, that's so interesting because 
it wasn't always this way, but I'm at a point where the best part of my day is when I'm writing. Mm -hmm. So if I don't do it, then uh, you're right. I'm not, I'm not as happy, you know, and if I go a couple of days without it, I'm going to get like cranky uh, because I don't want to live in the real world all the time. And I also want to be pulling those threads out of the fog and finding my story. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I find that if, for me, I'm finding it's like, oh, wow, I didn't, you know, this, this is just something I'm working on right now. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm, I'm asked, these are actually things that have bogged my mind down about this, this certain thing. And now it's being open to me in a different angle through this character. And it's, a, and it's just, yes. Don't you have it where a character will say something you're like, yeah. Oh, well, good. That's what I needed to hear. There's my answer. Thank you for saying that character, but didn't feel like I came up with it. It right. felt like I came up with it. That's just magic, isn't it? it and I, I do feel like there is, ma there is magic in this, in this writing game. It, it, you know, it's not Absolutely. all the time we got, but we got to sit there and just, we got to keep showing up for it. You know, it's like a really bad seance. Because you just, it's not going to be around. And then all of a sudden, after 60 days of showing up for the seance, you finally get a little bit and you're like, you know, I'm, I want my money back on this seance because I'm not waiting 60 days. <laughs> that is kind of cool to compare it to a seance. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I've never done a seance and I still, I don't think I can yet. <laughs> I wouldn't force yourself, okay? There's plenty yeah, yeah. other ways where you're going. Right, right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I still haven't seen The Exorcist. It, it took me a while to see certain movies. That I, you know, I, I couldn't watch David Lynch Lost Highway for a while until um, until the, a few different people were like, "No, Tony, it's okay." And then I watched it, and I was like, kind of on the edge of my seat, and I'm like, "Oh, that was really good." <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> I it's. You know, speaking of trauma and organs and different places, it's just like when when you're, oh, you're when gonna you're get triggered, yeah, and you're gonna have physical reactions and um, and that and that is so interesting because when um, when Noah at, at the beginning of the book it starts happening to his son and he is triggered so badly that he he freezes, he can't breathe, he can't talk, he can't move. And I, you know, it's a, um, it's a, it's a trauma reaction. It's a physical trauma reaction. He, and he's just frozen. And I mean, he needs to help his son and he's absolutely frozen. So I, I do think that, you know, that that would affect you. There's all those triggers that would make yeah. it hard for you to do that. So. How did you come up with the name Noah? How do you, how do you come up with the names of your characters? They just pop into my head and it feels right. I know it sounds kind of biblical, but that wasn't why I named him Noah. He just, every once in a while you have a character and they talk to you, you know, yeah. I mean, you hear them in your head, you hear their voice and it's really strong. And, um, and he was Noah Archer and he was a neurologist and he was a science guy and he wasn't religious. And that's a big problem for him because he was possessed and he, <laughs> he did go through an exorcism with a priest and he's having trouble, you know, coordinating that part of his life with the science i don't believe in that kind of part of life right and one thing he does which i love is is i was researching a lot of neurologists and so many of them as we were just talking about integrative medicine 
tell their patients to meditate, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know about you. When they tell you to meditate and sit cross-legged and put your palms out and be very uncomfortable and think of nothing, I get so angry because it's just ridiculous. I'm never, ever going to think of nothing. Okay. Now, I do meditate a lot, but I don't follow the meditation rules. I never have and I never will because I think the kind of thinking, meditation, whatever you need, comes to you in a certain way at times of your life in the way that you need it to come to you. And that I don't think you have to follow the rules. But Noah, being a science guy, is like, I'm going to create meditation on demand, enlightenment on demand. So he has his project where he, you know, has this like hairnet full of little ceramic uh, ways of just doing tiny electrical currents to any part of the brain. The religion, spiritual part of the brain is all over the brain. It's so interesting. And so he stimulates that so that his patients can get um, meditation and enlightenment on demand. Unfortunately, it works. And, you know, some do have wonderful experiences and some have pretty scary experiences. And, you know, I, I asked my neurological and brain people that were consulting with me on the book, is this, I'm like, is this a crazy project? And they're like, no, we do that kind of stuff all the time. I'm like, oh, do you? They said, yeah. Um, in fact, there's a new cutting edge depression treatment that does pretty much that, uh, mm. um, but it stimulates, I'm not sure what parts of the brain they stimulate. And it's a five day protocol. And people who have had serious chronic depression come through in such great shape with such relief. And that is actually Noah's point. He's doing it to cure depression and addiction and you know schizophrenia and anything because he thinks this would be super powerful. So um, I was really glad that uh, I was on the right track. That's cool. Powerful possibilities there. The um, so is the actually the spiritual and religious part of the um, of the brain is all over the brain. It's all over the brain. We our brain is wired for spirituality. It is mm -hmm. it is considered by neurologists to be a um, survival mechanism, hmm. which I find absolutely fascinating that your spirituality is an innate survival mechanism triggered by your brain. Yeah. That can take you to any, any interesting places. Can well, it? It, it makes a lot of sense um, to me on so many levels. And, um, and it's just, uh, it, what do you, what do you call it? I mean, part of me, I came up with this other, uh, this other thought where, you know, cause we, we are coming out of this, you know, People are like, oh, I'm atheist. Oh, I'm atheist. And I'm like, you know what an atheist is? It's having faith in atheism. You're doing the same thing as the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a lot of faith in that atheism, don't you? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, it, it's, I, I think it's a weird craving where I'm seeing a lot of it. I, I see a lot of people who aren't religious, but I'm spiritual. And they're actually mm -hmm. just kind of like, Oh no, they're religious, but they're following politicians as their new religion. They're following, and, and it's scary to watch because I'm going, oh, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, really? You're following Biden as your religion. 
you know, maybe Jesus ain't, maybe Jesus is for you. It's all right. Maybe, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I, I think that is a, um, it's the human hunger. Yeah. The spiritual part of our lives is something we all yearn for and, and probably need. And it, you know, it's, I don't think there's any one way. I think everybody has their own way to go forward with that. Um, yeah. But we are pre-wired for it. Yeah. And I mean, and on my personal, on my personal journey, my spirituality was absolutely shattered and leveled because what I believed to be truth, absolute truth. And then I realized it wasn't when I was in my twenties, those, that was rough days. That was rough days for a while. It's still rough days, but it ain't as rough as it used to be. It's like, Oh wait, that's right. It's in my DNA. And I'm, I'm constantly kind of talking to it. Um, and uh-huh. have a different relationship with it than when I was when I knew I was going to die in Armageddon, no matter what. That's, that's really interesting, and I, you know, you, it's almost like, um, you know, everything is destroyed, and then you build something else back up again, that is um, extraordinary. Hopefully, yes. I, I see way more percentage of people going, and now it's drugs and orgies. That's my new religion. And then you're just sitting there going, and that's, you know, yeah, that's kind of empty. Um, and then they go back and then they end up going back and they're just like, oh, my God, it's bad out there. It's really bad. It's all drugs and orgies. And it's just like, no, that was you. <laughs> <It's> you. <laughs> That's you not having any uh, imagination or, you know, actually engaging with life and, you know, on, on uh, uh, trying to engage with life on a level that has a little bit of noise. Yeah, because it's scary. It's scary. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that, Lynn, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I have loved talking to you. I love how your mind works. <laughs> oh, that's nice.
Hightower on Drinks with Tony. Check out her new book, The Enlightenment Project. And her and I teach at UCLA Extension, so check out her upcoming schedule and see if you'd like to take one of her classes. Remember, information for my one-on-one writing workshop, four weeks for $600. Information available at TonyDuchesne.com. I'll see you all next week. You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.
Haunted in the night Girl, don't you dare to seek for candlelight 